0: welcome to as you were a podcast about alkaline trio where every week we talk about one alkaline trio song and this week it's into the night into the night we felt alive into the night we know you've cried into the night tomorrow into the night yeah that's the song all right, right. into
1: that night that twitter celebrity mm-hmm. the heart and the
0: blender oh my god i followed um them for i think literally about 45 minutes about as long as it was funny yeah i remember it was you know end of last year and i saw people retweeting like a couple like funny like them talking about like jawbreaker and i was like "Ah, i'll give this a follow see and then i was just like holy shit you do not stop and that's my (laughs) least favorite kind of twitter account
1: The worst kind of Twitter account is the Stop Tweeting account.
0: Yeah, uh, and boy, this past week have I seen a lot of those.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, As you were a podcast about bad Twitter, my name is Tim Crisp, and this is my cohort, David, Anthony, blue check mark. Blue check DB Anthony. Which is why you D. should D. know you should
0: not listen to anything I have to say.
1: They never do. Don't worry. True. They come here because every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and it doesn't really make much sense to just listen to one person, no matter how handsome or funny they are, talk about one Alkaline Trio song. So that's why you're here to make everybody a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. for our podcast, As You Were, podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song, and this week, it's a song called Into the Night, which sounds like something one might say about uh, a comic book superhero, Uh, and this song sounds like it is the intro song to a bad comic book superhero video game for the PlayStation 2.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, let's start where we start with a lot of these. Was this your first time hearing the song?
1: (laughs) It sure was. When I listened to Agony and Irony for the first time, I put it on to a mp3 player and I, I i may be conflating stories here but it was a creative mp3 player and i'd never had an ipod before this was 2008 and i tell you what when ipod first came out that creative mp3 player that they had that time it was great i was it a was Zoom great man uh, ah, which i Zoom also man. loved
0: and would defend um But anyway, I got the I got my creative
1: uh, stolen from a party, Mm -hmm. and I think it might have been that night. I think I walked there, listened to Agony and Irony. I didn't finish it, and then I think my MP3 player got stolen.
0: Well, because someone was like, "Oh, he's got the new Alkaline Trio on there. I need that."
1: Got the new Alkaline Trio album, and it's and and I could tell he wasn't too stoked on it when he walked into this party so i might as well take that off of his hand so i can listen all the way to the end to into the night and that file can be listened to for the very first time Mm
0: -hmm. and uh seems like it left you a little cold
1: freezing my dude I listened to the song for the first time yesterday as I was cleaning my house, getting ready for my in-laws to come over for really the first time. Mm -hmm. And I hear I take my headphones off because I heard something from my partner. And I was like, what was that? She's like, what did you say? Because I'd said... Holy shit, this is the fucking last song on the record. Mhm, Loudly enough for her to hear from the other room. um,
0: I mean, I have felt that way the entire time this record has been out because I think it is among their worst closers, and also a song that at its best is like the kind of one we've talked about a bit recently which is like that like seventh, eighth track on an album that's just kind of like connective tissue between things. Yeah. Um, that's all this song has ever felt like to me. Um, it really... It sounds so much to me, and, and you can check me on this if you think I'm wildly off-base, but this feels like they took a song uh, like Fire Down Below, which I quite like, which came Mm -hmm. out just a year prior. And then we're like, let's take that type of Alkaline Trio song, but just like break it down and turn it into what we're doing on Agony and Irony. And that process does not work at all. No. Because it kind of sounds like an older Alkaline Trio song, but it does not function like one in any part of it.
1: So when you say it sounds like an older Alkaline Trio song, is that because he's kind of playing the private eye
0: riff yes there's that part um and you know he's trying to like play that riff but then like put a bunch of flanger on it to make it sound like he's not playing that riff yeah and the verses yeah it's like a similar like he's doing a weird, like call and response thing with himself. There's a lot of like delayed echoey vocals that
1: burn, burn, burn. burn
0: that, like, burn. that's the thing is like, this is, um, turn, turn. we've done a lot of talking about you two lately. Um, but this <laughs> is taking all the wrong <laughs> lessons from you two of like, okay, yeah. you can play a very simple two note riff and throw a bunch of effects on it. And it sounds cool and massive and unique, which when done well is genuinely very awesome. Uh, but this is just like a song that feels like it's trying to just put a bunch of effects, a bunch of different instruments, a bunch of different sonic tones on something because there's not really anything interesting at the core of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's one that I don't know. I imagine, and I know certain people who like it, they like it because, On Agony and Irony, it's the only song that kind of feels like an older Alkaline Trio song, and I think people are just very hungry for that, right? After a record that is very much not that. But uh, Mm -hmm. I think the best songs on the album, as we have discussed, this is the last one we got, uh, the better ones are the ones that try to be something else and actually succeed at it, as opposed Mm -hmm. to like those half-step type of tracks. Never really... They don't make anyone happy, really, in the long term.
1: Yeah, it's wild to hear that this is the last Agony and Irony song because this record is just so forgettable. And this is really just a case of a producer who, to me, just doesn't feel rooted in what they're doing Mm. and seems to be Kind of just adding a bunch of stuff to these tracks because that's what he's used to doing is just adding stuff to a bunch of tracks. And this is a guy who is uh he's not connected to the punk world like at all. No. Right? No, not really.
0: Isn't he producing like like Limp Biscuit records? I think so. I mean he was definitely like a, you know, I think late 90s, early 2000s, like big major label kind of rock guy. Um, I think, let me double check, because this is, I believe this is who, Cameron Webb? This is Josh Abraham. Josh Abraham, because Cameron Webb is the new guy. Um, I feel like this is the guy who did, God, it's taking me, yeah, Linkin Park, like, who were very big at that time. Um, You know, like... Let's see what else he's got. I mean, because literally, like, looking back on his. Yeah, it's. Like, Orgy is his first credit I see. Dead Z. Oh, he Cold did candy Chamber. Ass? Crazy Town. Orgy. <laughs> Limp Biscuit. Dope. Stained. <laughs> Lincoln Park. Unwritten Lost. Static X. Stained. Um, Velvet Revolver. Uh, 30 Seconds to Mars. Oh, man.
1: When I heard that. GNR and Scott Weiland were getting together. I was like, this is gonna be so sexy. And also, you know, it's gonna be a lot like Guns and Roses, but thinking a little bit more compact, like a velvet revolver.
0: Uh, would you like to know a fun fact about velvet revolver? Oh,
1: <laughs> um. Can so, we change the name of this podcast? Do would you like to
0: know a fun fact about Velvet Revolver? Yeah, that's uh, famous last words. Do you would you like to know who their original singer was going to be before slash fired them and then got Scott Weiland? Tell me. Uh, well, I'll give you a hint. He loves the cocaine. He loves the cocaine. Um, David Lee Roth. No, no, no. I'll, I'll give you a a, a second hint um he he, he believes women are, are are uh and i quote crazy bitch oh god that's right the, the singer cherry guy cherry. um so really think of how bad that could have been that like scott wyland in this project r- drastic improvement uh-huh anyway uh-huh. josh abraham um i'm sure all these records sound good i'm using air quotes because they do not sound good to me.
1: Um, mm. What stands out from from my vantage point, looking at at, at his production credits, um, Pink and Thirty Seconds to Mars, like that is to me pretty good uh, lens to to look at uh, for this particular production because he comes on when. Pink totally like jumps onto the. Oh, I've always been about punk. Like, yeah, as, as, I, as the <laughs> Tim Armstrong co written album. Uh huh. Um, and 30 Seconds to Mars, just this big, like, vapid uh, masturbation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, real
0: nothing band.
1: But I like that he kind of transitions from, okay, rap rock is kind of out where are we gonna land ourselves ah major label emo slash punk uh versions perfect
0: yeah i mean all of this shit is just like arena like you're you're at a hockey game and this plays between periods like it's just kind of that Mm -hmm. type of music like oh there's a there's a timeout play it now um that's what a lot of this feels to me just like kind of safe largely uninteresting but good enough sonically to be played on the radio um and this song into the night is literally like it's just a song i've never understood and when we talked about in my stomach somewhat recently Again, it feels absolutely fucking insane now that you've heard this song that, that In My Stomach did not close this album, which would mm-hmm. have been like a cool end on a record that uh, has some pretty major flaws, but, but some cool songs mixed in there. It's a real mixed bag. Um, but remember this is not like the way 70- to do it.
1: Yeah. I just wanted, sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to ask if you remember the 72 hours that followed us recording that where I'm like... Man, I'm pretty sure that this is about infinite jest. Like, there's that I've been thinking more and more about it, and you were like, "Why don't you just not?" And I was like, "Okay, thank you. It's for for the best for you." All all I needed. Um, My brain sometimes. Here's here's the thing about this song, David. You're you're very right about the hockey game thing. This is this really just feels like it's Muzak for the modern age, whether it be video game or hockey game or a a commercial of some type. Um, There's just nothing really going on here. And it's weird.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, we've not talked about the song itself a lot, in part because there's honestly just not a lot to say because it's it's just kind of misguided throughout. And, and mm. I think nothing really encapsulates that more that the kind of, like, pre-chorus is, like, the most hooky part of it, and the chorus itself is kind of a step down. And I will kind of like the weird, like, Spindly little riff that could be played there, but that's not. They kind of have it put on top with another oh, instrument. Are you
1: the, the carry on. Yeah. This carry on has been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah.
0: okay, maybe that could be cool. Putting them in the chorus doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, secondly, what an awful first line of a chorus because here's the thing, Matt Skiba. Uh, We know what a carry-on is, C-A-R-R-I-O-N. Everyone is hearing carry-on as in luggage, as if someone forgot their luggage at the fucking airport. What do you think about that for two seconds, my dude? Like, no no one is picking up what you're putting down, especially your luggage. I mean, this... To me, it's. I mean, that's a little topical because I think this
1: was around the time when they started charging for check bags,
0: mm. and people were carrying on more. That's that's entirely true. Um, watched Snakes on a Plane the other night. Speaking of carry on bags, what a fun How movie! How was that? Yeah, what a fu- It's dumb as fuck, but it's fun as shit. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I saw that opening night. Me too. I yeah. haven't seen it since. That was
1: that was very very fun. Um, I remember buying that soundtrack at, um, at the record store in Normal, Illinois. Shout out, Waiting Room Records on North Street. I'd been in there, it was my freshman year, and I'd been in there only a couple of times. And, you know, I'm trying to be a cool guy for the, for... My dude Jared mm-hmm. working behind the counter. I'm like, hey, maybe this guy will think I'm cool. And then I bought that Snakes on a Plane soundtrack and he was like, You like this? And I was like, Yeah, there's uh and this doesn't age well, but like, yeah, there's like a new CeeLo Green song on there, and
0: he's like, Okay.
1: <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, um,
0: I will say watching that music video and hearing that song over the credits of the movie, I was just like my god, what a
1: Cobra Starship? What a time we were living in. Dude, I gotta give it up to my man Gabe,
0: though. He figured it out. He, Fucking Midtown Forever. He I mean, he did. Credit to the man. Um, anyway, uh, this song would have been better if it was about snakes on a plane. This song would have been better if it was about snakes on a train. This song would have been better if it was about snakes literally anywhere else. Um, this is like this is the first of what I really view as Matt Skiba just like Mad Libs, which I think we see a lot more on this addiction, and a little bit on My stream is True. Uh, he's kind of come out the other end, thank Christ. Um, but this is the song where it's just like, he just took a bag, like, r- put words like on little pieces of paper and was pulling them out of a hat, and he's like, this carry-on has been forgotten, mm-hmm. dead, sun, rotting, like... That's all it is. It's just the most base level song about nothing um, that maybe I've and maybe I can think of for them. Or at least up to that point, it was the one that like really kind of bugged the shit out of me. Uh, yeah. If you can't tell.
1: So sing to me your darkest secrets. Time to leave behind your regrets before we
0: got lost.
1: <laughs> yep in the blink of an eye i it really is it's, it it's literally he he just doesn't say anything there's i i don't know i we've been warned which way the storm is going to blow what storm
0: that's the thing it's just like this is what bugs me so much and i'm sure people are tired of hearing me say it but when writers just like mix metaphors line to line verse to verse mm. like there's just no harmony between what you're trying to express where like, yeah, you can sing about nothingness and I can fucking love it. Like it doesn't really matter um, to me that much, if I'm being honest, but like for someone who at his best can really write these like great little short stories about himself or his life or someone else, or, you know, in the case of a song like Sadie about, a uh, you know person with whom he has no connection it's just really disappointing to see like how limp this sounds and on this record you know a a song we touched very like very early on like over and out which is like ostensibly about his parents in vietnam like i at least get that there are at least moments where there's lines where i'm like okay sure Mm -hmm. But this, or or even help me being ostensibly about Ian Curtis. It's like okay, I can see it. I can see what's going on here. It's just like, dude, what what the fuck is this about? And and more importantly, he sings it with such little conviction that he's not even selling the like it, whatever he's trying to put down, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is like he's Matsukiwa is usually very good at like. He may not believe it, or he may not have a lot informing this personally, but he's gonna sell it to you like no other, and mm-hmm. I just don't get that here, and it bums me out.
1: Yeah, I gotta point out that the second verse, instead of like the echoes on the last word in the, uh, <sighs> there's just like these like terrible little like like MIDI synthy twinkle things Mm -hmm. that are just so fucking half-baked and stupid sounding they don't sound like an actual instrument they don't sound like an actual synthesizer it's just like goop Mm -hmm. scoop
0: i mean that's the thing is i've always wondered what this song would be like if a lot of that shit was pulled out of it you know where it's like if this Mm -hmm. was just the three of them in a room playing the song through without all the the layers on top of it, what would that be like? And it's really hard to know because the song is so, so deeply mired in having all that shit in there. Like, you know, there are times where it's like not that hard to imagine. Like, okay, I can see how this would read live. I can see what this would feel like. And this is one that just always felt very like, I just, I don't know, it leaves me wanting so much more and it frustrates me in the way that, like, a lot of songs do where it's like so nothing. There's no perspective, there's no energy, there's no effort. It's just like, well, we should put this here because there's open space. And it's never Mm -hmm. questioning, like, well, why is there open space there? Is it because we don't have enough going on? or is it because we are just trying to snuff out all the air so the song can't fucking breathe or move and it just feels so sterile and suffocated in the production on this that it's just I don't know it's really one of those that I hear and I'm like this is this is not for me uh mm-hmm. in any universe
1: yeah and i mean what it sounds like when they're playing it in a room is If this song has good lyrics, they don't have to worry about the open space at the end of a phrase. Yeah. If there's something for people to think on within the words, then, you know, we're all going to be there listening. Mm Like, (laughs) the first fucking five years of this band, like, we don't need anything to... to the open space um yeah i think that we will often and i and i think a lot of fans do this too will point out the instances of of matt like picking up stories from books that he's read as being like well you know you can kind of track that Mm. as when they falter it's shit like this that's really what sticks in your gourd yep because the examples that you mentioned are all successful some of them not Mm. but this is the most demeaning shit
0: well because at least with those other ones i can respect the attempt or like the intention behind it where it's like all right like over and out i mean even fucking one of the first songs we talked about live young die fast which i hate like there's at least, like, you're going for something. And this mm-hmm. just feels so directionless. It just feels like, well, we've got to write a song. We have all these tools that are at our disposal. They'll figure it out for us because we have nothing to go on. And uh it's just one that, like, the, the revisiting it, because I obviously I don't listen to Agony and Irony very much, and mm. I usually am tuned out by the time this comes on. Uh, so hearing it again is just like I want to like this I would would love for you to take the kind of bones of an Alkaline Trio song make them a little bigger bring in some of those production elements and really make it work but it doesn't and I think it's such a this song really encapsulates what I think so much of agony and irony feels like is that there's like little moments where you're like ah you're so close and Mm -hmm. then all these other moments where you're like you could not have missed the mark anymore and you know, it's unfortunate. And I think this record, like I think it gets some undue hate because I don't think it's again, it's not my least favorite, but like it's moments like this to me that I think really drive home the problems with it, which is just like, it feels at its worst it's unfocused and just really flat and boring and like, when something's flat and boring like i'd rather hate something than just be left like eh it's a song you know mm-hmm. that that type of stuff just frustrates me and i i feel like looking
1: just at the last songs on this for this band to think about all that you're left all that is like brought to mind all that you have to think about just from the lyrics of a song like sorry about that mm-hmm. a song like radio a song like blue in the face and you like think about the perspectives that we gain from the use in those songs and how vivid those are mm-hmm. And all we get from the you is this song is someone who has well everybody has darkest secrets there's nobody who doesn't have objectively secrets that are the darkest of the secrets that they themselves have uh oh they they have regrets um okay that's i
0: this is literally any person mm-hmm Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is it, it music it's music and lyrics that feels written generically for everybody. And that shit ends up being for nobody. Uh, and like, even I just pulled up the track list and I was like, man, the end of this record, just like you really lose so much steam. Cause like after about the midway point, you know, it's like lost and rendered ruin it into the night. Like to take it out. Like what an awful sequence to close this record like Mm -hmm. three songs that like all are so misguided. And then not only that, the fucking bonus deluxe edition disc is just acoustic versions of four songs from the record and maybe I'll catch fire. But one of them is an acoustic version of this, which is like, even like, it just shows like, there is nothing here. This just does not work in this format. I don't understand why you felt the desire to like, do that, like it just feels so nothing to me. Like it's, uh, yeah, it, this is just one that I've always kind of felt like it's not the worst song in the world, but it is just emblematic of like lack of effort, lack of commitment, and lack of inspiration. Which at the end of the day, kind of sounds like the worst thing in the world. What do you rate it? <sighs> it's a one.
1: Point five, point five. Yeah, from me. Um, just bad. Oh, real bad, real bad time. Just real bad time. A hockey game I don't want to go to. A PlayStation Two game that I don't want to play. This is our podcast. It's called As You Were. A podcast about Alkaline Trio. Every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. This week. We talked about it into the night. God damn thankful that that's over with. But sad to be gone. Sad to be saying goodbye to my friend David. I know. I'm sorry, Tim, but the episode is over. Oh, well, how about we do it again next week? How about we do? Great idea. And we ask all of you listening to tell a friend about the show that's the way that we've been able to get more and more people here to listen to us talk about a band that we like pretty magical thing the fact that anybody's listening um we're very grateful for that and very lucky to have that subscribe on your podcast player of choice we uh, also it's helpful if you rate and uh Write a review for it. I haven't seen reviews coming in lately. And I'd like to see more of those. So that's your homework for this week. We have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash As You Were. You can sign up over there and vote on the songs that we talk about. Also, we do some swag and some long form every now and then. What did we talk about last time? Oh, last time was when we resequenced. My shame is true. Boy, did we. What a fucking great time that was. Very fun. Ah, much more fun than this. Can, yeah, I don't know if we can make Agony and Irony much better. Nope. There's not enough material. <laughs> there is not enough material, but there's plenty more material for us to do another episode next week. We look forward to that. We'll see all then. Thank you, friends.